Guantanamo, or Gitmo, has held many hundreds of men accused of terrorism against the U.S. in connection with the 9-11-2001 attack. Most were innocent of any crime. Several dozen remain at the prison on the Cuban island. They've been in prison for 17 years in limbo, beyond judicial recognition. Witness Against Torture, or WAT, was formed in 2005 when 25 Americans attempted to visit the detention facility at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. In the years following, Watt has demonstrated to shut down Guantanamo. Each year since then, these dogged civil protesters have carried out dozens of nonviolent actions to build awareness about the mental and physical torture of these men and to establish human ties with the prisoners at Guantanamo. Is This Who We Are is a podcast series reflecting the actions, arguments, and emotions of the Watt protesters who gathered for a week in 2019 in Washington, D.C. My name is Alan Winson. I live with the Watt members in the First Lutheran Trinity Church Hostel on E and 4th Streets and followed their actions and talked with them. For me, it was a formative experience. In the end, Watt members held little hope that Guantanamo Prison would close in the near future. They accepted that neither the news media nor those on the D.C. streets where they demonstrated and got arrested knew what they were doing, and yet they persisted in marching and fasting through those cold, windy, wet days. To a great extent, this series is about that hopeless struggle and what buoyed them and what makes them important citizens of this flawed democracy. Is This Who We Are podcast series culminated in a bar crawl radio podcast, number 28, recorded at the Iron Horse Tap Room on E and 7th Streets. We talked with several of the Witness Against Torture protesters who reflected on their experiences of the week. And now, Is This Who We Are? Part 1. Tuesday, January 8, 2019. I arrived at the First Trinity Lutheran Church late in the morning on the third day of the Watt protests. Maggie, I called her the porter, held an endless vigil at the locked door to the church hostel and meeting area. She gave me a most friendly greeting on that first day and pointed me to this organizational meeting down the stairs in the gymnasium or basement, which served as meeting and sleeping area. I first learned about Witness Against Torture from Chris Brandt, who I interviewed for another podcast on another topic. Chris describes himself as a basic hand-to-mouth idealistic artist type who had been arrested several times for committing social disobedience. When I first arrived, Chris was sitting with a circle of others in folding chairs. There were about 25. They were talking about the rigors of fasting on a liquid-only diet. Morning circle meetings were used for reflection on previous actions and to plan the day. The Watt members sat in a circle of folding chairs in a large room, and the number grew through the week from about 25 to over 50 by Friday. On the far end of the gym was an industrial kitchen adjacent to a small stage. The backstage area was for those who wanted some quiet. On the far end of the room was a media center. I soon learned that each morning started with a prayer session at 7.30 a.m., followed by the organizational meeting. This was one of the most democratic organizations I have ever experienced. All ideas and opinions were given respect and fully explored. When I arrived, the group was discussing the fasting process. 
most of the Watt protesters were taking part in a week-long liquid fast. Some had been fasting even longer. Just coffee, tea, juices, plain miso, fiber supplements, that sort of thing. I, I learned that as the fasting body rids itself of waste, it expels certain toxins which can make one's breath unpleasant. I noted this in a few of my interviews. One one young man even exuded the smell of stale cigarettes very, very strongly. Uh, one lady briefly shared her elimination issues. Later in the circle, they discussed a scheduled meeting at Code Pink House. This is a center of civil protest in the Brookline section of Washington, D.C. It was soon shared that the president was giving a speech that evening about the border wall at the White House. And so they decided that the Watt members in orange jumpsuits, black hoods, some shackled, similar to what the Gitmo prisoners wear, would march to the White House and try to disrupt the president's speech. On arriving the first day, I spoke with Maggie, the gatekeeper at the First Lutheran Trinity Church. And then I spoke with Frida Berrigan, niece of Daniel Berrigan. My name is Maggie Stevenson, and I am here sitting on this chair uh, with Witness Against Torture. I am letting people in so that they do not have to chap on the door. Yes, I have slept in the basement for, I think, almost 10 years or so. I grew up in an atmosphere. My father... Uh, was one of the people who did the uh, the opening up of Belson Prison, mm. a concentration camp. He was in the U.S. Army. Uh, no, he was he was a British soldier, mm -hmm. and we from that moment on we have been our family has been against anything that. Torture is not the way to do things. Neither is war, but uh, torture, no, 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 no. And I'm, I, I am ashamed now that the United States is has been involved in such practices. Are you fasting? Yes. And have you do you fast every every, every, every year? Yeah, I I do the fast. Yes. Right. Right. How are you feeling? You know, I, I drink like tons of water, right? And I, you know, so that, 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 that I'm I'm fine. It's not a problem. And you know, when I when I go home to dear hubby, I'm I'm a few pounds lighter. <laughs> you can throw <laughs> you around a little better. Yeah, and he can. He, he said, "Way to go! Way to when go. are you leaving again?" <laughs> Come up with one word that describes either a feeling or an idea that represents this week for you, what would that word be? Oh, hope. Hope. Can you say more about that? Uh, just to know that there are other people who feel the same way as I do, you know, and if we keep doing it and doing our, uh, bringing attention to this, in troubled times, I, I think uh, I, I, give, I still I, I have hope. Right. And this is Maggie the gatekeeper. Yes, that's me. Of, of the first? First Trinity Lutheran Church. Thank you very much. Great talking with you. Thank you. We don't listen to division. We are water free. Cool. Yeah.
I can walk with you if you want. Right. Uh, my name is Frida Berrigan, and um, I'm part of the Witnesses Against Torture community. And uh, my role today, or over the last two days, has been as a as a meeting facilitator. Um, and uh, I have a long history with Witness Against Torture. Was one of the founders of the group um, back in 2005, when 25 of us uh, walked. Uh, through the Cuban countryside, uh, from Santiago de Cuba to uh, Guantanamo, the city, and then and then beyond to the Cuban military zone surrounding the U.S. naval base there, uh, with the intention of getting access to the U.S. naval base and um, access to the prisoners themselves and being able to talk with them. Um, we weren't able to do that, uh, but we did have an encampment on the Cuban military side for five days, and we prayed and fasted. Um, and hope that our intention would get the get us the rest of the way, um, and uh, we went there publicly and explicitly violating the travel expenses related ban on um, U.S. citizens uh, going to the island of Cuba, uh, and we hope that by going publicly we would uh, be prosecuted by the Bush administration at the time um, and have an opportunity to use that platform to put uh, the. U.S. Uh, actions at Guantanamo and misuse of Cuban territory uh, on trial. Um, and unfortunately, we weren't prosecuted. Maybe fortunately, it came with a huge fine in prison time. Um, but uh, we came back and decided that our organizing really needed to be here um, and in the streets of Washington. And so in 2000, and so we did that in December of 2005. Uh, 2007 was our first January 11th here in our nation's capital. With witness against with torture. With witness against torture um, over this uh, January 11th date, which is the date in 2002 when the first, I think it was 23 men, uh, uh, flew uh, to um, the U.S. naval base there and were uh, uh, began their internment um, and their kind of sneaky status as, as forever prisoners and, and, and torture kind of scapegoats um, uh, of first the Bush administration and then the Obama administration and now uh, the Trump administration. This is, uh, you know, many years of coming here every January um, and fasting and, uh, and trying to kind of think creatively and collectively about how we uh, connect to these people who, uh, you know, in the eyes of most American citizens are, are you know, the perpetrators of 9-11 of, of and, and uh, uh, for, for most of them, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, and uh, they really are uh, forgotten and, and pushed aside. Um, and then so much of, of the way in which the United States has acted since that time sort of really happened on, on top of uh, uh, these men and, and their misrepresentation. Um, so anyway, there are a couple purposes of fasting. Uh, the first one of the key kind of um, crystallizing, catalyzing moments uh, for Witness Against Torture early on was the fact that the men in Guantanamo were on a hunger strike. And uh, that was organized uh, by um, a British national uh, who was at Guantanamo, he's originally from Pakistan, uh, named Shakar Amr, uh, who uh, knew about the, the uh, Irish Republican Army political prisoners, hunger strikes, uh, the, the, you know, the death of Bobby Sands, and, um, and this is a tool of, of political persuasion and, and, and all of that. And so he educated his fellow 
inmates um, in the use of this uh, tool. Uh, there's a Muslim tradition of, of religious fasting, of course, as well. Um, but they were hunger striking uh, to appeal to the American people. And, um, and we took up that appeal. Uh, and that was kind of the like, oh my gosh, they're speaking to us. And, and they're trying to use our language as, as, as Catholics and, and, and all of that um, as, you know, as a way to kind of try and galvanize us. And so, so we heeded that call. Um, and then since that, you know, when we were in Cuba, we fasted for five days. It was a very powerful experience. Um, we were really held by the, the Cuban people who brought us coffee and juice. Mm. And um, uh, and so we, the only sustenance really we took in was a, a daily Eucharist um, there uh, near, um, near the gates. Um, and then it's just become a part of our, our tradition, a part of our witness, a, a way of, um, a way of kind of uh, linking ourselves or identifying uh, with men at Guantanamo who are, you know, um, uh, you know, can you imagine having no uh, agency, no agency at all except to, uh, to not eat and to sort of further your own suffering um, in an attempt to, to be seen as human, right? And, um, and then they're, and I'm sure you know this and your listeners know this, but then uh, they have been force-fed. And, you know, some of these men have been force-fed for five, six years straight. And this incredible violation um, of, of their, you know, human will um, and their physical personhood, it's just a brutal uh, experience, uh, but they are being kept alive, right? And there's sort of the message there is, and it's very explicit that, um, you know, we, we can't allow you to become a martyr, right? We can't allow you to take your own life. You don't have um, a any agency. Um, we won't release you. We won't try you. We won't put you through any, uh, uh, you know, um, through any fair legal process. Um, we won't execute you. Um, we w we just will keep you and keep you just alive, but not truly alive because you're, you know, you're not allowed to make no, any choices. So uh, in in all of our uh, work, do try and connect ourselves as much as possible to the personhood, uh, uh, the individuals uh, who remain at Guantanamo, 40 men at this point who are still there, um, and then nine who have died there, right? Some in taking their own lives success, successfully killing themselves um, uh, as, as the only path to ending their in, internment, um, and then three who uh, we suspect, and it's just confirmed by um, Harper's Magazine in a really powerful article um, that three of them were killed there, um, uh, murdered basically. Um, by, by the U.S. forces? By U.S. forces uh, in, in you know, torture and enhanced interrogation uh, techniques that, that went too far and, and went too far and um, very broken. I love that word enhanced. I know, it's awful. <laughs> But anyway, so we do, we, we try and tell the stories of the men. We, uh, you know, put on orange jumpsuits and black hoods and sort of take on, um, in some so small way, the identities of the men. We've been arrested uh, with the names of the men and not given our own IDs. Um, and so bringing uh, those names into the federal criminal justice system in some kind of token and symbolic way um, and, uh, and just tried all, all of these different um, tactics. You know, I think throughout the Obama administration, we had this sense that we could persuade a, a rational actor um, who had um, who had said, you know, all the right things about Guantanamo in one of his first acts as president um, about it being a stain on our moral character and not who we are, and um, you know, making promises to 
close Guantanamo and all of that, um, you know, we don't feel as though we're dealing with a rational actor at this point. And so, um, and there's so many issues that people are, and even in our circle, there's Yemen and there's uh, the border and there's, uh, there's so many different issues that, that we, we can rail against the Trump administration for. Um, I think we're, we're trying to direct as much of our message as possible uh, in these days uh, to the American people and sort of a call back to, to common humanity and, and, and decency and this question of who are we, right, which will be kind of resonant throughout our actions this week. Who are we? You know, who are we as individuals? Who are we to allow these crimes to happen in, in our name and with our tax dollars and, and on our behalf? And um, how, when, how we see ourselves as individuals is so perverted uh, and distorted on the national scale, what does that mean? How, how do we even call ourselves U.S. citizens if, if you know, uh, this is what's happening at the top? And, and uh, what are the points of persuasion or pressure for change at, at this point, and, and particularly around an issue like Guantanamo, which, you know, even in this kind of like, oh, we have a new Congress and all this Democrats and all these Umbaya. women and, and you know, these beautiful scenes of, of, of a much more diverse House of Representatives anyway, nobody's talking about Guantanamo there. And there are so many other incredibly pressing uh, issues and bread and butter issues for, you know, Americans who are struggling. Um, you know, we're not saying don't pay attention to all of those, but 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 do remember that you know our whole foreign policy kind of tipped um, on September 11th, 2001, or on October 7th, 2001. However you kind of parse it, um, and that uh, that these men and and in fact a whole class of you know Muslim people, kind of writ large, particularly Muslim men, have been have been targeted and scapegoated and um, and kind of. Uh, collectively punished, collectively punished, and even if it's only 40 men at, at Guantanamo at this point, there are all these black sites, there are all of these secret prisons, and then even the people who have been released uh, bear such incredible scars um, as a result of their. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a lens, you know, for me as a as a Catholic, this kind of you know whatsoever you do to the least of these, you do on you know you do on Muslim men snatched from their home countries and. Um, and branded essentially as terrorists, um, you know how we treat how we treat them, just as how we treat the homeless woman, how we treat the you know migrant uh, the refugee child. Um, it is about how we treat people. You know, just yeah. from an economic standpoint, you know, the American taxpayers are paying ten million dollars a year per prisoner uh, to have these guys, and so that it's off our our our, our radar screen. We're not talking about that. Uh, within our politics at all, well, that money's getting spent, right? And that money's getting spent on occupied territory, right? The Cuban people don't want us there. The Cuban government doesn't want us there. Um, and uh, there's no conversation about that. So there's no decision was made about that. In fact, the, the Bush administration decided to put it there, you know, a very cynical kind of uh, uh, distortion of U.S. law. Well, this isn't American. U.S. law means nothing here. This is not American territory, right? And um, we do whatever we want. We can. It, it was a. It was a free zone uh, for you know American exceptionalism to just kind of play. Um, honestly, in the most beautiful place on the entire planet. Not that I've been everywhere, but um, 
uh, is a heartbreakingly gorgeous place. And, um, and you know, and it is a heart of darkness in the sense of like, mm. it, these people have disappeared. Mm. And, um, and even just moving them to, you know, federal prison, which wouldn't be great and which most of them don't deserve, even that would be, just from a cost-benefit analysis, um, would, would mean that they, you know, aren't costing you and I uh, so much money, right? Yeah. Um, and You're fasting uh, right now. How are you feeling? Yeah. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You seem to be very energetic. <laughs> you and get this kind of high, yeah, yeah. It turns out eating takes a lot of time and energy, and sometimes it's easier just not to do it. Yeah, you were talking about in the meeting about you getting rid of toxins. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that sounds kind of appealing. Um, Last question. You come from a protest family. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that just briefly? Sure. Yeah. Um, so right now my mother, who's 79, she celebrated her 79th birthday in, in jail. Um, she's in jail uh, in uh, Brunswick, Georgia. Um, she's been there for nine months awaiting trial for a, a plowshares action with six other people. They um, went into a Trident sub-base in, um, in Georgia. Uh, the largest Trident sub-base in the world, um, uh, seeking to uh, symbolically transform that space to swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks, uh, and to draw attention to the, the, the crime that is Trident, the crime that is nuclear weapons. Um, and so uh, she and her co-defendants will be tried sometime in February, March maybe. Mm -hmm. This action is the last or the most recent in a long line of actions that uh, started in 1982, 1981, uh, by my father, Phil Berrigan, and my uncle, Daniel Berrigan, and uh, six other people who, um, who trespassed into a, um, a General Electric uh, plant in Pennsylvania. They called themselves the, the King of Prussia plowshares. So it's funny that the king is in both of them, King of Prussia plowshares. Um, and uh, you know, with this kind of uh, 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 the heeding the words of the prophets, Micah and Isaiah, to beat swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, um, and this for those uh, two, for the uh, Phil and Dan Berrigan, um, this kind of property destruction uh, was a was a you know a perfect extension of, of the logic of Catonsville and the logic of the Baltimore Four and this question of, of what is proper and, and what property seeks, you know, what property deserves to exist. And um, if the property is uh, the paper that sends young men and young men um, off to the killing fields of Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia, it doesn't, it doesn't deserve to exist. And, and, and it can be burned um, so, that, so that children are not burned. And, um, and so that action, we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of that action in May, that action happened on May 17, 1968. Um, and uh, so my father was the kind of architect of that action and, and uh, catalyzed hundreds of, of draft board raids throughout the Vietnam War um, and then continued uh, a life of, of, of service and, and witness and, uh, and activism uh, uh, until his death in 2002. Um, and then Dan died just in uh, 2016. Um, so, they uh, both got singled out a lot by the media, and uh, a lot of attention was paid to them. Uh, but they both um, they both were members of communities, and uh, and found their courage and their you know hope and their will to go on uh, from uh, from the circle of people uh, like the circle that we have gathered here with us today. If yes. you can think of one word yeah. that kind of expresses what you all what you did what you're doing this week, right. what would that word be? 
Um, that word would be a phrase, um, which is, I am a human being, and I seek connection to other human beings. And that, that seeking of connection uh, doesn't recognize borders and will not be, um, will not be manipulated by uh, political fear. My name is Frida Berrigan. I'm from uh, New London, Connecticut. My name is Brian Terrell, and I'm a co-coordinator for Voices for Creative Nonviolence, and I live on a small farm in southwest Iowa. Where are we right now? Uh, we're in a church on Judiciary Square in Washington, D.C., and I arrived here on uh, Sunday, Saturday, and uh, we're here uh, fasting and being out in the street, uh, speaking out for the people in Af people in, uh, in prison in Guantanamo, and a special concern this week, this year, about uh, the crisis in Yemen. Um, before we talk about the Witness Against Torture events that are going in this week that you're involved with, tell me a little bit about your organization. What do you do? <clears throat> well, Voices was founded in the 1990s in response to the uh, sanctions that were imposed against Iraq, which uh, it's a very uh, similar situation. It's a, uh, what was happening in Iraq in the 90s was a, a famine uh, that was made by human beings for political purposes. Uh, there was no reason that uh, uh, probably millions of people died, the most vulnerable. Uh, only a few years into it, way before it was over, the United Nations said that they, that they, they estimated 500,000 children under the age of five alone dying because of the sanctions. And not, not only didn't allow food in, but the, uh, the infrastructure that was destroyed, the water treatment, sewage, uh, et cetera, was not uh, allowed to be fixed. They couldn't import the things that they needed to, to provide the people with clean water. Uh, and the things that people needed for agriculture uh, uh, were, were not allowed into the country. And now in Yemen, there is a famine that uh, uh, some 20 million people right now are in danger of starvation. There's uh, the news today out of the uh, UN-brokered uh, ceasefire on the port city of Hodeida appears to be falling apart you know, right now, and so the, the, the direst um, predictions may come true, and this is, again, an entirely fabricated, uh, you know, this is not a famine because of nature, uh, this is a famine that the uh, Saudis have, uh, with our help, and the UAE and other countries have imposed on the people of, of Yemen for you know, entirely political purposes. Uh, what kind of actions do you do? Uh, one of the things that we, we've been doing um, these last years is we've developed relationships with uh, a peace group, uh, Afghan peace volunteers in Kabul, Afghanistan. And people from our group have been regularly going, um, traveling to Kabul. And uh, Have you gone? I've been there six or seven times in the last uh, eight years, so yeah, I, I'm pretty regular visitor to Kabul. What 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 is it like? What is Kabul, the city, like? It is uh, really a broken city, and the uh, you can tell that it was once quite beautiful. 
but there there is still rubble from um, the war, the Soviet invasion, and from the Civil War. And the U.S. Special Inspector for the um, Reconstruction of Afghanistan uh, has said that that more money has supposedly been spent on the reconstruction of Afghanistan than the entire Marshall Plan in real dollars that rebuilt Western Europe. But the special inspector went looking for hospitals the United States claimed that they had built and uh, finding uh, nothing there at the coordinates and directions given by, by USAID. Uh, there's tremendous amounts of corruption in the Afghan government but it's the government that's been imposed on them from outside, and most of the corruption is in the United States. Most of that money disappears with contractors and subcontractors before it even arrives in Afghanistan. And when it's there, it's fair game for uh, the government ministries. When you're there, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? But mostly when we're there these days is we lay low, because our presence could uh, endanger our friends and, and their work if it's associated with with uh, foreigners. They, you know, the, 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 um, the Afghan people don't want foreign intervention. They don't, uh, you know, and they have been uh, hurt even by the NGOs who have supposedly there to help them rebuild. So um, uh, I think I, I tell people it, it's mostly when I go there, it's mostly a social visit to keep in touch with friends and to uh, maintain relationships uh, and to learn from them and to you know, very few people are going there. Our, our U.S. Embassy staff, we have one of the largest embassies in the world, the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, but uh, no one in their staff not e is allowed on the streets of Kabul. They, they go from heliport to heliport and presently most of our military um, there's, there's no military convoys going through Kabul anymore because it's not even safe for the mili U.S. military with, 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 with armored cars. The, the, uh, but are, are you able and your group able to move through the population in Kabul and interact? Or do um, you have to stay separate also? Uh, we, we use discretion and pay attention to our, our friends. And uh, I've been told I can pass. <laughs> for, okay. <laughs> and I'll wear, wear a turban. And, uh, you got a nice large white beard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, speckled, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I get around better than some of, more than some of our other friends um, who go there. Uh, when we first started going in 2010, we were able to uh, have a delegation. Uh, one trip we had like 30 people, and we were able to you know rent some rooms in a guest house and rent a van and hire a driver and say we are Americans visiting and you know. Go Travel around very openly and publicly. The the um, the conditions have gotten so much worse. The population of Kabul in 2001 was about half a million, and now it's probably six million, and it's growing very very fast. With the as dangerous as Kabul is, the the countryside um, is even more dangerous in most places. And there's a famine. There 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 is a um, drought in many of the provinces of Afghanistan right now. Uh, so the city is just um, crowded and fetid. There's no sewage treatment whatsoever. Um, the Kabul River is now just a little uh, sewage ditch going through the middle of the city, a once beautiful wide river. Uh, and the, uh, the, the water table is going down a meter and a half every year. When I was there last in July, 
the sound, the clang, clang, clang of the of, uh, new drills being 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 uh, new wells being being drilled or, or being made deeper was just hearing that everywhere and seeing that, that you know the, the, the drilling equipment was the looking for water, trying to find water and going deeper, deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. Um, people are living in shipping crates and houses made of made of uh, mud and uh, in tents, and it's a very very cold climate. And this is how it is in Kabul today. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's the Kabul that really um, the current conditions are ones that the United States is very responsible for. And does that kind of bring us back to why you're here now in Washington this week, is to raise that awareness? The privilege of travel like that, um, and I've you know been to Iraq and um, Bahrain and to Palestine, and other places in the region is 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 these men in Guantanamo and these children in Yemen, they're, they're not abstractions. You know, uh, and what happens to them uh, really, really matters. What is the message that you're trying to put out this week? Um, if it were to get out, what would it be? Well, I think our, our, our planet is in, our species is in great uh, danger right now with, with the climate, with uh, nuclear weapons. I think the sign of hope now is that at this point in our history, people like us have been looked as, as utopian dreamers. And no, we who say we have to love one another and that we have to stop exploiting each other and have to share resources in a fair way, we are the hard-headed realists. We are the ones who are looking at the situation in the world and saying we have to make very, very hard choices. You know, the, the utopian dreamers, the, you know, the, 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 the people who, the, the thoughtless airheads are really the ones, the people who cling to the conceit that we can still keep doing what we've been doing. You know, that we can continue these wars and we can t continue exploiting the environment. Um, are, that's entirely unrealistic. You know, that, they're the dreamers, and we do have to make the change, and, and, and very, very fundamental changes in the way that we live and treat one another, uh, that, that has to happen. You know, it's, it's urgent, and uh, yeah, the, the, the hope is we, we, we cannot stay the way we are. Change has to happen. There's no, we have, we have no alternative. If you had one word to describe what this week is about or your feelings about this week, just one word. Oh, um, our friend Mark brought this up that uh, we need to bust the myths. So myth busting, uh, myths about who's in Guantanamo, myths about what our security is, what our security is based on, um, what can give us hope for the future. You know, we, we really need that kind of shift of what we need to, 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 to get rid of those myths. Mythbuster. Yeah. One of my favorite television shows. <laughs> uh, you're fasting, yes? Yes. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I fasted uh, before I came here. I fasted for seven days in New York. So uh, this is a continuation Yemen. of that? Yes. I had two days off. <laughs> I ate on Saturday and Sunday. And, and now uh, you and have another six days. Yes. And, uh, and you're feeling okay? Yes, feeling very good. You look good. Very much sustained by the activism and by the good friends here. Okay, thank you, Ryan. Thank you.
I'm Ellen Barfield. I live in Baltimore and I'm here because torture is grotesque. I'm a veteran and if the U.S. tortures, it puts our own soldiers at risk of having the same behavior visited upon them. If not for the foolish thought of getting info, because that's bogus, the thought of retribution. It puts soldiers in danger. You, you uh, are a veteran. I am. U.S. Army 7781. Yep. 62B, which is heavy equipment mechanic, forklift, scoop loaders, that kind of thing. I was actually a member of the Corps of Engineers, although I never interacted with the Corps of Engineers. I was just a mechanic among all the others. But I wore the castle, which is the Corps insignia, which I'm not particularly proud of. The Corps of Engineers does a lot of terrible stuff, but there you are. Are you fasting? I am. Uh, have you done this before? I have. I've been maybe every year from the beginning with Witness Against Torture, certainly as often as I can, and hardly ever am I able to just come and stay, and I'm not this year either. I come in and out, but I do as much of it as I can. Well, you live in Baltimore, so it's not that far. Right, exactly. Right. The commuter train is easy enough. What do you think you're going to accomplish by fasting or by doing any of these events? Well, the fasting... It, it can it can cause some interest to be paid that might not otherwise. Oh, you're really sort of putting your life on the line. I mean, we're not risking death, but yeah, suffering a little anyway. So there's that's part of the reason. But the main reason is for our own spiritual sustenance. I think we we think about the guys on the hunger strike trying to get some decent legal consideration. We think about the many, many people who don't have enough food in our country and the world. You know, it really sort of refocuses your mind, and that's a very good thing. So it's refocusing your mind, but what about everybody else in this country? Yeah, well, that's who we reach out to. And that, what I said to begin with about, oh, you're not just sitting there with a stupid sign. You're actually suffering a little. That is just a little bit more attention-grabbing, so... That it is, it is valuable in that sense. And where are we going now? We are going to a colleague organization's installation, Code Pink Women for Peace, who were formed around the time of the attack on Iraq in 03 and have been wonderful, loud, noisy, bright, boisterous activists ever since on a whole variety of issues. They are primarily anti-war, but also definitely anti-torture. U.S. bases all over the dead young world, you know, so they're wonderful people. And what we're going to do there is meet with some D.C. housing activists and poor people's campaign activists, because that's part of what we always try to do is connect with the communities and hear the struggles they're going through. And here we are. And here we are. As we get off, I want you to think about something. Sure. What is one word that kind of pulls this whole thing together for you. One word. I'll get it, I will get it out of the platform. Yeah. Okay, Helen, we're out on the platform. What's the word? <laughs> One word. I would say serious. We have fun. We love each other. We bounce around all over the place. But the, the issue is extremely serious. We are really, really concerned about our nation's soul. Our own souls, of course, but our nation's soul. As I said at first, 
torture is dangerous for our soldiers. And yes, I care about my colleagues in arms, but it is dangerous for our nation, so we absolutely must stop it. And it does not get good information. It gets whatever the poor torturee thinks will get their torturer to go look up for a while and leave them alone. It is not a good way to get info. And it's serious. And it's very serious, yes. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. Okay, we're, 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 we're on a, a DC bus going towards Code Pink House, and uh, sitting behind me is... I'm Kathy Kelly. And Kathy Kelly. Uh, where, where are we going? Well, we're going to the Code Pink House. It's a lovely spot. It looks a little bit like a daycare center. It's so colorful, and uh, which is what I guess you'd expect. But I've so admired Code Pink. You know, they've been very deliberately making their home available to neighborhood groups for meetings. And I mean, meetings that spill out over to the backyard, and kids are running up and down the floors and having a just great time. And they've wanted to be good neighbors. And I think. Um, that's so, so important, particularly when you're focused often on realities abroad, realities that have to do with the military, to better understand what U.S. militarism means in neighborhoods is very important. We're, we're, I think we're getting off. We're, get, we're, we're heading over towards the Code Pink House. Oh, my name is Charlie Bowman. So. And what, what do you do? Uh, I'm a retired biologist who's turned into activism for environmental and uh, other social justice issues. And so you, you're involved with uh, Windows Against Torture. How long have you been with this organization? I haven't. Uh, this is my first time here. So. And are you fasting? I am fasting, yes, my second day. How are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. And uh, uh, Witness Against Torture has given us recommendations on how to deal with fasting and making sure it's safe. And, uh, and you're watching your blood pressure. and I was just measured this morning, and it was a bit high, so I can't uh, neglect my blood pressure pills. That's what I learned this morning, so it's very useful. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> if there's one word you can use to describe this week, what would it be? Uh, it, it, would, it would be uh, humility. So. Thank you. Great. Thank Good you. word. Coat tree there. Good, great. Yeah, there's coffee, tea, water, juice. Um, yes, yes. The main course comes starting. Well, we just had a great time at the Capitol this morning. We're giving Ruby up hell. We went and did because we not for any reason other than we want to prove the government is shut down, so we're not going to vote on anything. How dare you? So, so welcome everybody to the Code Pink House. Thank you. My name is Mike. I'm Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, welcome. Thank you so much. My husband was out of town and I see. Yes. So, hi, everybody. Hi. Just welcome you all here. I'm so glad some of our neighborhood people are here. The idea of this was. Most of you are from out of town, and uh, and you're from in town, and uh, and really wanted to, to use this opportunity to for each other to hear the good works you're doing here and all over the country. Yeah, more guests coming in. Somebody yeah. else. Oh, is crowd. oh hi. Wow. Come on in. Xavier University. University. Oh, yeah. 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 These are the ones who were with us. Yes. I am Paulina. And uh, why are you here at the Code Pink House? 
I am here with Witness Against Torture. Uh, I started doing this in 2010. Um, I missed a couple of years, but this is my first time at this house, so uh, just here listening to the neighborhood people. Seems like a collective of, of, of awesome people talking about social justice and bringing ideas together. I volunteered with uh, a harm reduction group back in Des Moines, where I'm from, um, and that's where we uh, don't believe in abstinence from drugs, but doing drugs in a safe way, <laughs> providing you know clean clean needles and supplies and locks in. That sounds practical. Yeah. yeah. Reasonable. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people are, are homeless or just living on the streets, uh, but we don't we don't judge. I don't know where they're from exactly. So. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you're at Drake Law School. Um, I'm pre-law right now. Uh, I'm thinking about taking some time off. Uh, about six months off to go to Kosovo, the Balkans, because I love, you know, stress-free life. <laughs> well, they had some problems there a while ago, but maybe not right, right now. Right. It's the newest country. It's it's the newest, it's the youngest country. I'm going to be working with uh, um, some survivors of torture over there, too, and doing some, like, like teaching them how to do, like, social, social media. I don't want to be, like, you know, a savior, because, I mean, not a white, well, I'm not white, <laughs> but I feel like I'm coming there with, you know, the U.S. and, like, and some kind, in a very small way helping with the democracy there. So I'm really excited about just to learn about that area in general, which is a tiny, very small country. It's like two million for the whole country, which is about the size of Iowa, where I'm from. I don't, I don't want to be arrested because I do work in the media team. I like watching everything because that's all, also, uh, I don't know, this is my first year not fasting, so I don't know how emotional it's going to be, but I love seeing that it's kind of like a happy kind of sadness to see the whole the whole week's action in a, you know in motion and that always makes me really emotional <laughs> and usually also spend the entire year like reading about Guantanamo I don't know if I'm that state of mind right now because I've kind of just taken a break from that and it's I'm kind of also nervous because I haven't been to the White House um, since Trump's been in there so I don't yeah. know what's going to happen right yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well we'll we'll be there uh, you're on the media team what's the media doing to get the word out social media is a big thing because we have a lot of people that are not here but are with us in spirit i mean there's the barrigans are passed away and then there's also these people at home that weren't able to come here that are like sick or on house arrest uh, so they're at home watching all of this and also it's really important because then the, the lawyers for the detainees also get pictures the fast in 2013 where there was a detainee that was being um, force-fed. While he's being force-fed, the... Uh, that, that means a tube being forced through your nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into your stomach. Right. Like yeah. several times a day. Yeah, like insurer was being forced up his nose, and that's painful to yeah, have. So it goes up the nose, down the throat, into the stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that it's kind of... Great. Excuse the uh, vulgarity, but it's kind of like a, a rape, but not like a sexual rape, but it's like... A, yeah, it's just... Ugh. It's an intrusion toward your body where you don't want to have, which is usually a, pl a pleasurable thing. Like food and sex are both pleasurable, but when yeah. you have these two, like when you have food forced into you, it's painful because you don't want it. And while he's being force-fed, this officer told him like nobody, nobody cares about you. They've all forgotten about you. And he actually said he said witness against torture cares about me because he got you know that information from his lawyer wow. that we're doing this witness at you know dc every year and wow so so if if the yeah. media you as media <laughs> is communicating to this one person yeah you're doing a good work 
if it just just one person, yeah, it's all worth it. I want to. What's a human? It's mm -hmm. a good word. Yeah. What does human mean to you? Human means pain and and love and suffering, and empathy and compassion, and language. My name is Paulina, Wolf, and I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pauline. <laughs> Oh, my name is Ellen Graves, and I'm from Western Massachusetts. And what are you doing here? Um, I'm part of the group that is to, to stop torture and close Guantanamo. Yeah, that's your main reason for being here? That's my main reason for being here, is to make sure that people are still aware that Guantanamo exists. And there's 40 people, 40 men, still in prison, in these small prison shells in Guantanamo that have been totally forgotten by our government, by our people, and we need to them to know that it's still happening and the government has got to close that Guantanamo. Okay, but there's, there's only 40 men there, and there's many, many problems in this country. Right. Why should we focus on Guantanamo? It's been there so long, it's, forget about it. It's not that we should just focus on that, because the whole crime system, I mean, the whole criminal justice system in the United States is horrible. But this is just exactly the base of a big sore of the way that we treat people, that we have gone into countries. These men, I would say 99.99% are not guilty of anything but just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. They were visiting friends that the government, our government was paying people saying, oh, I'll give you $2,000, which in that country is a lot of money, and to turn somebody in. Well, it's somebody that they don't know, a stranger comes along, they don't like me, or they don't even know that person, so they're going to turn that person in for their money. It's logical. But then, what do we do? Our country grabs that person, doesn't even give them a, even a trial, tortures in their country, in these black sites, and then brings them to, to Guantanamo for more torture. Why do we do this? Why do you if think you, we do this? To me, yeah. it's just power and money. I think it's just power. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't understand any human being or any government that would do that. We're in a, a house that is just made up of colors and energy that is fantastic. It is full of colors. Yeah. And I mean, the whole the whole room in here is color, <laughs> and the house outside is pink. pink. And the inside has pink stripes. And, and you're leaning on a yellow, blue, green, purple, red pole. Right, and looking at a sign that says peace. It's a warm, open house that everybody feels comfortable. We can come here and stay if we're in D.C. Or we can just call for find out what's happening. We stopped in one day oh, back about six months ago, a friend and I, and ended up within five minutes at a protest downtown. So, you know, it's it's that kind of a place. So if you're in town and you want to protest, contact Code Pink House. Right, exactly. And you'll find out what's going on. And what's going on. They have the pulse, the, the fingers on the pulse of what's happening in Washington. Amazing. Are you fasting? Yes, I am. How are you feeling? Good, as long as I'm drinking water. I had two cups of coffee this morning and decided I didn't need any more coffee. That that was... Yeah, you seem, you seem perky and awake. Oh, and, I'm awake. As a yeah. matter of fact, I'm more awake right now than I was when I first got here. I the week itself is it's ups and downs because we're 
talking about torture. We're talking about, but this is a hope of change. Okay, so the word would be hope. 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 Hope, hope for us. Hope for our the people in our country. Um, not for our government. I don't have much hope for the government. It's got a whole change. We just got to take it out and put somebody else in. Those are your two country. words. You got hope. And hope change. change. Right. That's great. And hope in the change. How <laughs> oh, sad. Okay. You look like Frank Zappa. Did you ever tell you that? <laughs> yeah. After he cut his hair? What, what is your name? Oh, Mike Levinson. And why are you here? I'm here to celebrate the wonderful work that Code Pink does and to meet with other activists who are involved in trying to turn the world right side up. Uh, Mike, how do we do that? How do we turn the world right side up? Uh, we withdraw our cooperation from the establishment. That's the ultimate form of resistance. Don't pay the taxes. That's one way of doing it. Don't pay your taxes. Don't patronize the institutions of the establishment. Set up parallel institutions. Chris Brandt is standing with us here at Code Pink House. What do you think about Mike's ideas? Well, a corollary to that is that uh, is what Abby Hoffman said. When somebody said to him, you know, Abby, you're never going to get a majority of people to go with you in your program. And he said, we don't need a majority. And I said, how many do you need? He said, enough. <laughs> but the other thing we know is that it has to be nonviolence. There is, there's no more violent revolution. Our revolution has to be nonviolent, has to be thought through, has to be non-ideological. It's tough if we are nonviolent. If we doesn't mean that the world is going to be nonviolent. The world will answer our nonviolence with violence. We have to be willing to take that that violence on ourselves. Power concedes nothing without a, a demand. Yeah, without a confrontation. You know, what is the what is the demand of, of witness against torture this week? Well, to to start with, stop using torture now. We say torture, Guantanamo, etc. But torture is something that's been part of American life from the very beginning. The way we treated slaves was torture. The way we have treated prisoners of war, there are photographs in 1903 of American soldiers waterboarding Moro, so, uh, Moro guerrillas in the Philippines. Our use of, of um, solitary confinement, uh, things like Burge's uh, torture center in Chicago. Torture has been a part of uh, the way we've done uh, Native Americans. Torture has been a part of American life since the very beginning. It's time for us to stop saying, as Obama did, we do not torture. We do torture. And it's time for us to stop. For me, gathering together this week, the, the word is community. Because I became an activist at a very young age, but you know, if you're gonna drop out of mainstream society and be a revolutionary for peace, you can't do it by yourself. You have to join together with other activists and build communities of resistance. It not only makes sense politically, but it also makes sense for our personal safety too. I go with community too, and Mike has said it much better than I can, but I think another word would be love. And it's something that we are often embarrassed to say, except to a single uh, intimate partner. But love is what this is about. And when you say what this is about, to me it means that this is what life is about. Yeah, it's what 
It's what everything is. Hope, uh, community, resistance. It's... Uh, I'm going to get all cheered up in a minute. <laughs> My name is Pocky Wheeland, and we are at the Code Pink House in Washington, D.C. And it's beautiful here. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you've had a, a good time and gotten some good interviews with people. I, I have gotten some wonderful interviews. Um, you uh, said that you had been doing some work earlier today. Yes, yes. Because well, this is kind of representative of what you do all the time. Yes, yeah, so, so I'm part of Code Pink, and one of the things we do is try to hold up the, the mirror of conscience before our legislators. So we went to Senator McConnell's office, we went to Senator Rubio's office, and we went to Senator Schumer's offices to say, please, do not support this vote. And of course, Rubio is the is main lead, the lead sponsor of this bill, which is the anti-PDS bill, which is totally uh, unconstitutional, among other things. Code Pink House. Can you say in a few sentences what you are? Well, it's a, it's a wonderful gathering place in this in this sense. As we've done today. As we've done today. Uh, there are rooms that, that uh, protesters and activists can come to Washington to stay when they're engaged in, in political activities. Um, it's not very large, so when there are big things happening, like the Women's March, it's full. But during the year, there, there are breaks, there are times when, uh, when you can come to Washington and, uh, and engage in the civil activities of, uh, of protest. Thank you, Pastor. About us yeah. in the orange suits, Definitely. we're not prisoners. <laughs> I know, but we okay. represent prisoners. Okay, God bless. That's what we need. Yeah. My name is Paulette Schrader, and I'm a, a Franciscan sister. So where, where, where are we going right now? We, well, we are going to the White House at this time of night, <laughs> eight o'clock, because we are going to make a lot of noise as the president delivers his his address about the wall. And you're wearing your orange suit. Yes. Uh, do you feel conspicuous or what? I like it. <laughs> I like that we are conspicuous because it gives us a chance maybe to say something about Guantanamo, which has been forgotten. Yeah. So um, an orange is the, the color of the people in Gaza in prison. Orange is the color of a lot of prisoners. And our prison system is for the birds. Um, I mean, it's... I've experienced being, feeling like a prisoner lots of times until I'm sitting down with the person I'm visiting. You, know, you, visit, in, you, you visit in the prisons? I do. Um, a couple of men I've been following for 35 to 40 years in, in visiting two different prisons in Ohio. Both been for 25 to life. And the one young man, I mean, this, this just shows how these long sentences are so goofy, especially when the person has changed so drastically for years in prison and is just there. Um, anyway, so he, he was one of four young men, 18 years old, and they were robbing a pharmaceutical store. And an undercover came in, and one of the guys, not even the gentleman whom I visit, uh, he, he shot the, the policeman and, die, and uh, the policeman died. So they were on um, electrocution, you know, for many years in Ohio until it was taken off the books in the 70s 
and it must have been late 70s. And then he, um, so they can't retroact a, a ruling like that. So you can, you, can you reveal his name? His name, I'll give you his first name, George. George, and the other gentleman's name is Ken. Ken uh, was a security guard and carried his gun off, off duty and lost his temper with the guy in the bar and shot him, killed him. But, um, and both of the men have changed so much during, uh, for many different reasons, but during the years that I've been able to visit them and write to them. And I feel like they're my brothers, and they are. They are, I mean, I would trust them any day outside of the walls. How, how did you originally find them? Uh, letter writing. So there was a campaign to write these guys who didn't get much mail or didn't have visitors. So um, a priest had organized this in the Toledo Diocese. And I started, and then through the one I met the other. They're in different prisons now. How often do you see them? Um, I write to Ken every week, have for 35 years at least. And George I visit every couple months, and Ken usually too, every couple months. One's in Cleveland, one's in Mansfield. If you were to find one word to describe this week for you personally, what would that word be? It's hopeful. Because uh, with, all, with the attention given to young people so far this week that we have been able to meet, and their energies and their interests are so high. Um, hopeful, and then also solidarity. Thank you, Paulette. You're on a bike, you're all outfitted here to go for many miles. What, what are you doing here in front of the White House? Um, I, I like to take rides around the National Mall, and there's usually uh, at least some crazy people or protesters to check out down here, but lately it's been it's been good for that with uh, Kavanaugh at the Supreme Court and Trump in the White House. So, so these aren't crazy people now? No, like you get a mix of all people. I agree with everyone here, of course, but you also find people in front of the White House uh, protesting Prince's death, the recording artist. That's okay, so, I get I've, I've run into them as well. I like I to it. chat with everyone, but obviously, yeah, lock them up. <laughs> right. Uh, how long do you ride? Uh, like 20 miles. I'll, I'll go down to Alexandria, or I'll go down to Haynes Point, which is just on the on the Potomac. Uh, Witness Against Torture is here. They're in the yellow suits. Do you know about that group? This group in the yellow suits are. Yeah. In the orange suits, Witness Against Torture. Okay, no. Okay, you don't know about them. I don't know about them. Witnesses Against Torture. And, and ba basically getting the prisoners out of Gitmo, okay. out of Guantanamo. Okay, okay. What, what is your feeling about that? It's it's something I don't know enough about. Suspension of habeas corpus on this island that uh, like we've had since 1900. I, I don't know, It's I haven't looked into it closely. I mean, there must be a reason it's there. Maybe it's too murky for me to understand, but okay. obviously it, is, it sounds shady. My name's Eli. Thank you, Eli. Yeah, thank you. And yours? Alan. Alan, okay. Bar Crawl Radio. Bar Crawl Radio. Yeah, I'll give you a card. Oh, cool. It's never going to happen. Oh, my name is Rohan. Great. And why are you here in front of the White House? Um, I'm here because Trump has given his address from the White House today. 
So I knew a lot of people would come down and just wanted to be around other people who <laughs> part of the resistance. So do you come down to the White House for resistance often? Every once in a while. Not, I wouldn't say often, but just every once in a blue moon. But you live in the neighborhood? No, nah, I live in Silver Spring. So, But I, I work in the city, though. There are some uh, people out here in orange suits. Do you see them? I've seen a couple. Do you, you know what they represent? No, I have no idea. Have you ever heard of Witness Against Torture? No, I've never heard of them. Okay. They're, they're protesting the prisoners in, in uh, Guantanamo. Okay. Are you familiar with that problem? I am. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about it? It's just America's way of getting away with, you know, prosecuting people without having to go through the actual justice system. So that's what Guantanamo is. It's just, it's extra legal. It's not legal. But until there's a political will that says, hey, we need to shut this place down, it's going to stay open. And we thought Obama was going to do something about it, but he didn't really have the courage to really do anything about it. So it's open and it's going to stay open as far as <laughs> for the foreseeable future. Thank you, Rohan. You're welcome. I'm Josie Setzler, and I'm an organizer with Witness Against Torture. We are here in Washington right now, uh, concerned that after 17 years, we are still detaining men without charge or trial, no due process in Guantanamo, presumably forever, forever without due process. Is this who we are? That's the question. We ask it again and again. So now Trump brings up, he's, he's going to push that wall to the ultimate limit. That's who he is. But is this who we are? We say no. We are seeing these all as examples of U.S. violence against people. Guantanamo, um, Yemen, the border, the wall. Steadfastness. I heard it spoken last night by a woman that's a friend of ours that has been part of our community who protested against nuclear weapons as part of the Kings Bay plowshares uh, this past year and will be standing trial soon for uh, going onto the base illegally. Her name is Claire Grady and she spoke last night about steadfastness and about our communal work but she has to believe in steadfastness certainly with the action that she's done uh, which is going to result in prison time most likely but also steadfastness for us. She was raising steadfastness in front of us last night because our work requires steadfastness. Guantanamo has been there for 17 years and this group first started organizing by visiting Guantanamo in 2005. That's a long time ago. It must be tiring to be steadfast, is it? You can, it helps if you need to be steadfast to work in community. That was Claire's other point, communal work. Um, and many of us are inspired by Daniel Berrigan. He's been, he died several years ago, but we still have a great big poster of him here in this hall. And um, he would always just say you have to keep trying. It's not about success. You have to keep working at it. That's the work of a prophet. And yeah, that's that's hard work, but I, I'm straying from my point uh, about communal work. When I first heard him speak, be, right be, in months before the Iraq war began, people in the audience were asking, what can we do? And um, 
you know, how do we proceed? He said, well, you have to work out of community. You cannot do this alone. And that stuck with me. It was at that point that I looked for my own community in order to do this. When I say my own community, people that believed as strongly as I did that that war was wrong. And you can sit at home looking at your computer screen, as I had been doing before then, and, and becoming heartbroken or exasperated or upset, um, indignant, whatever, and shoot off a few emails or sign a few petitions, and then you, you, you become very discouraged. But when you work in community, you can keep going. The poem is called O Prison Darkness. It's written by Abdulaziz when he was in the prison at Guantanamo. It's published in a book called Poems from Guantanamo, The Detainees Speak. O prison darkness, pitch your tent. We love the darkness. For after the dark hours of the night, pride's dawn will rise. Let the world with all its bliss fade away, so long as we find favor with God. A boy may despair in the face of a problem, but we know God has a design. Even though the bands tighten and seem unbreakable, they will shatter. Those who persist will attain their goal. Those who keep knocking shall gain entry. O crisis, intensify. The morning is about to break forth. All right. Uh